Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone. This is Ilya, and welcome. Um, I'm happy today to have uh, Sari here with me, and we're going to be chatting a little bit um, uh, here today for educators. I know a lot of the work I've been doing has been for parents uh, and families, and I think it has been helpful for educators, but I wanted to do something specifically uh, for educators because we're in a really weird time right now, and we'll get to that in a few minutes, but um, I want to introduce you to Sari. I'll let you introduce yourself, but uh, just to give a little background, um, you know, as the universe has it, we met uh, early on, I guess, well, we met in the summertime, right? And we were at a friend's house and it was like just starting to be like, can we have a few people like to say hi? And (laughs) we met and we didn't know we met through a mutual person. And all of a sudden we just started chatting like, oh, well, well, what do you do? And then what do you do? And then here we are. And um, when I realized that we could have so much more to talk about, um, you were so kind and gracious to invite me to a Voxer uh, Teachers Deserve It book group. Um, and and Adam, welcome, and Ray Huger, the uh, authors were there. And so I was so excited and I felt like I was like with my tribe again. So, um, so with all that said, I'm grateful to have you here. And so introduce yourself to our folks out there. Thank you. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be here with you. Um, I am Sari Goldberg McEwen. I am currently a central office administrator. In addition to being a virtual principal this year for our remote learners, I work on Long Island in New York. I started as a classroom teacher and I worked my way through some various positions within education. I was a coordinator, I was a supervisor, and now, like I said, I'm currently in central office and I'm loving every minute um, of this crazy time. I have never been so exhausted yet so fulfilled in my life. Um, It's really been quite a journey that I have a feeling many of you would be able to relate to. And again, Ilya, just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm a podcast junkie. From the moment that we met, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to every single one of your podcasts. Thank you. And you were, I think I met you pre-podcast launch. So I, I, that's really cool. And I appreciate you um, listening in and for your support. And um, so, so I wanted to just step back, even in your introduction, because a lot of we have have a diverse audience. Can you explain if we, when we say educators, sometimes I use that as a really broad term, and we have so many people that get lumped into that. 
for you coming in as, uh, I mean, you're a virtual principal, which is like, sounds so cool, like so modern, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but as in an administrator role, what particularly right now um, is, is a struggle? I mean, I think we, we can kind of relate from a teacher's perspective, from a parent perspective. We've seen a lot of that. But from your perspective, what, is, what are some of the challenges you're feeling right now? The first word that popped into my head as you asked that question is time. There's yeah. just not enough time in the day. Um, I view the role as an administrator as somebody who is there to support, to support families, to support other staff members, um, in my position to support other administrators. And right now, as we're transitioning and the landscape of education looks so very different, um, I think that there is a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of important, incredible work that needs to get done, and there's just not enough time in the day to do it in the way that I think it needs to be done and in the way that I really feel that everybody deserves. Yeah, and I think um, one of the interesting things is that it felt like there wasn't enough time before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true, right? <laughs> it felt like, oh my gosh, wait, just one more thing before I leave, or one more thing, or I'm just going to bring this home with me, or, you know. Um, and I think uh, something that I found, like, I really learned from that book group is, right, perception about what educators do is oftentimes so different than what families are seeing, than what the kids are seeing, um, and then what our peers outside of education, like, you know, our peer group, our friend group, family members, sometimes don't really get how much work um, goes into doing uh, what you all do. And so um, I appreciate that, first of all. Um, and uh, I think people are just starting to get a little glimpse of how much work is actually involved. Yes, especially now. Um, I am completely honored and humbled to be a part of this incredible profession. And the work that I have seen has been nonstop and absolutely inspiring. I've been connecting with educators from all across the country that I will say feel very similar to educators right in my own hometown. Um, the, the work is nonstop. There's just not enough time in the day to do what we feel the kids deserve and, and what we need to do. And it definitely, um, it's stressful, uh, 100%. And, you know, there are individuals that I would say don't necessarily know what goes into it and they don't see the magic behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I guess in some ways that's good, right? Because that means we're doing, we're doing the job. But uh, right now the curtain has been, I think the curtain has been pulled back a little bit. <laughs> and, um, and I would say, I, I, I think um, having worked with educators also all across the country, and even just within, even it's interesting, even within the same district, but from different school buildings, and I'll, I talk about this um, in the past, has its own culture, right? Like each school building can have its own culture, each district, each state, each town, all of those things. Uh, but I, I found when I was in the classroom, I felt like I was pretty isolated. And, and one of the things that you know, when we were starting our conversation, that struck me was that you were really about bringing educators together instead of just um, feeling isolated, like in your room or in your school and kind of in the culture that you might be in, but really 
expanding that. And I, I felt like that was, I felt like that was sort of like a mission around. I don't even know. It was like a vibe <laughs> that I just got. I'm like, this, this person's like a mover shaker and she wants to bring teachers together and like, just make it different and make teachers not feel so isolated. So if I'm wrong, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I believe in the power of being a connected educator. I believe in committing time to networking and you know, building those relationships and working with others. Each of us has our own personal mastery that we bring to the table and we can really work off of each other's strengths and literally just be better together. Yeah. No, and I think one of the things that working with people all over, teachers are super creative, so many brilliant ideas, and not any one person can... um, can write like you can't learn and know everything and I think when we work together it's when it feels that's like when I'm in a room in a professional development setting is when I feel like I'm like I said I'm with my people with my tribe everyone trying to help the other and what I found was not only a little bit of isolation when I was on my own but when I'm working in a professional development with a group of teachers that they get to share and network and talk to each other in a way that um, they were not able to do. And I, I just felt like I was just an N of one. You know, I just was, I'm running a class for you all and you all get to meet each other and we create a safe space so that people can share and no one's going back and reporting what we talk <laughs> about in that space. But I felt that they all would give me the feedback that it felt like they didn't have other forums for really connecting. And and you said the term, you know, connected educator. And that was something I know we've chatted a bit where I was like, oh, I hung on to that term. I'm like, I really think that's important to talk about, especially right now. I think it's probably always been true, but I think right now it's, it's particularly important. Um, yeah. To just, to, to kind of find other people that we can, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say vent is not the right word, but it doesn't exist as much as in the corporate world. When I was in the corporate world, right, there were conferences you could go to and there were leadership programs and management development, all these things. Even within the work, you know, the company that you worked for, you could connect with other people that did different things and learn from them and use them as mentors. And I find that that's a little lacking sometimes depending on where you're working as a teacher. It. it- Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I I could not agree with you more. For me, I worked in a couple of different districts before I even learned what that term, you know, the way that you're referencing connected educator, what does that even mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So in my last district on Long Island, when I discovered other connected educators and I, and I discovered the power of sharing ideas and networking and, you know, being able to have a group. I love the way that you call it your tribe, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's people who um, have a similar mindset that you can go to and, and bounce ideas off of and, and it's a safe space and you can gain a different perspective and you can see things in a different way. And I have found it really just to be completely inspiring. Um, on Long Island and, and across the nation, there's um, a conference called EdCamp. 
and mm-hmm. the one that we have that's a, a branch is called Ed Camp Long Island, and I had the honor of hosting it in my district just last year. We had over 600 connected educators who attend. It's a completely free conference. It's one of the most powerful days. When I wake up in the morning, it feels like Christmas morning. And th- it's it's a voluntary day of people coming and learning and growing and and you understand each other in in such a different way that it's it's truly motivating. So there's opportunities like that. And then the one that you were discussing that you and I worked together in that Voxer book chat, which I mean how powerful that we had both authors a part of this book study. You know, we were actually having conversations with the authors. Now, for those of you who don't know, Voxer is a free app that's called a walkie-talkie app. It gives you the opportunity to just text into it and drop some pictures the way that you would on traditionally on your cell phone, but it also gives you the opportunity to record messages, and the beauty of it is that you can listen to it at any time that's convenient for you, and it's um, it's an opportunity to have a book study. I don't know about you, but you know the, the Friday night once a month book studies that I had years ago, they're... Uh, they're far gone, unfortunately. Yeah. Life gets in the way, but this still brings the the love of reading into my life and being able to connect with other educators and being on Voxer and engaging in these book studies has been incredible. It's been with educators literally from across the country. Yeah. And that was a really great tool. And that's just one example of a, a great tool that came to me through that because working with, you know, I'm, I'm moving all of my professional development online for probably the next year at least. And so now I have a new tool to be able to connect with people and that hopefully I can introduce to them and then they can use it with either families or other coworkers or whatever. Um, but it's, that's just one example of some of the great things that came out of that. Um, you know, just being in that room with everyone. It was definitely an incredible space, and I'm so grateful that you joined us, and I hope you join us for the next one, too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm holding that invitation. Oh, I'll that. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so when when we're talking about I have I have two things that I kind of want to um, kind of talk about is if we're, we're looking at the person who might be listening in, who is this educator and is like, oh, how do I become more of an, and I was hearing terms that were new to me, um, you know, is a PLN and a PLC. And I was like, oh my gosh, these sound amazing. What is this? And then we talked about finding a mentor and, and the book, by the way, is great. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm, they're not asking me to plug the book. I'm going to plug the book though. Teachers deserve it is great. Um, but these were terms that were new to me having been in the education world for like 12 years. And I'm like, what the heck? I don't know this. So can you talk a little bit about that so that people can figure out how to get connected is essentially what, yeah. I think those are tools for that. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the, the greatest space would be on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is a space where connected educators really go and they find their home. Um, Hashtags are really powerful on 
Twitter. So for example, we'll talk about the Teachers Deserve It book um, that we read in our Voxer book chat. And if you go and you type in that hashtag, you'll be able to find other educators that have read that book and what they have to say. And you'll be able to find some other like-minded individuals surrounding that topic. So Twitter has, without a doubt, um, brought me into a space where if I am just looking to research something, hybrid learning, whatever it may be, I can go on there and I see somebody post some amazing lesson that they did in their class. And I might just, you know, go ahead and message them. That looks so great. And everybody is there for the same reason, to connect and learn and grow. And I haven't met anybody who hasn't responded to me. <laughs> yeah, everyone's really open. A lot of people connecting, a lot of people sharing my information. I'm sharing other people's information. And so I, I thank you for getting me on uh, Twitter, you know, connecting, because that was not a place that I ever thought, I don't know, it just didn't seem to make intuitive sense, but it's, it's very active and very busy. Yes, I, I love it. And from there, it's grown into some other spaces. For example, Voxer, um, mm -hmm. that app that we were talking about where I do um, a lot of book, different book studies. And it's grown into other uses as well. So for example, with my staff right now in the remote learning school that I'm the virtual principal for, I created a Voxer group. It's completely voluntary, and I would say I would have about 75% of the staff who's participating in it right now. And it's just a really great place to drop some warm wel uh, welcome messages or ask some questions. Um, I have this one educator, she drops the funniest memes, and <laughs> who doesn't love a good laugh in the middle of the day, right? So, you know, the next step was Voxer, which, you know, I think has been really absolutely incredible. And then um, I've joined uh, Teach Better, which is a wonderful organization, and I try to Zoom with them once a week, and we continue the conversation in Voxer. So it doesn't necessarily have to be surrounded uh, by a book study. It's been a, a great um it's been a great space to just continue conversations and have that PLN that you can turn to. Right. And so so for those who may not totally know, because I know we have some parents out there who are probably listening in as well, PLN would be? Professional Learning Network. And then compared to a PLC, which is Professional Learning Community, right? Yes. So I've heard this defined in different ways. So I will just put a disclaimer out that this is how <laughs> I define it. Okay. <laughs> I view the professional learning community um, as more of the in-person. So the people that are in my actual community here within my district um, that I see in person on a regular basis that I learn and I grow with. My PLN, I personally view that as the network that I have built with people over Twitter, over Voxer, who I've literally never met in person, but yet I feel so connected to and they're somebody that I feel very close to that it's, you know, somebody that I turn to on a regular basis. Right. So that's uh, that's a great distinction because that, that helps me understand it better, too, because it's two it's twofold. It's building your own community and uh, not just in your own school or your own district. But then you have this other piece where it's networking beyond. And, um, you know, I, I never I don't know why I never made that connection of networking the same way you would in the corporate world to the teacher world. But I think that's definitely something that has evolved over time. 
I couldn't agree more. And I think that the pandemic has really been a catalyst. You know, you see a lot more people working from home and that network. And ironically, while we are physically apart, um, the networks have really grown because people are seeking other ways to connect with individuals. So, you know, you're referencing the, the parents that listen in for your podcast. And I would encourage them to join Twitter and to see what resources are out there. There are some specific groups that I'd be happy to share with you after the podcast that are specific for um, parent Twitter chats and resources for them to find as well. Oh, that'd be great. Because I know in the um, in the autism community, there's a lot with parents, um, you know, f- connecting. There's a lot of mom groups for connecting. Um, but I think a, a kind of an expanded piece of that, especially now where we're at, you know, we're not, I don't know, we're not like meeting other parents the same way that we normally would have given um, our current situation, which is unfortunate. I could not agree more. And I think that it's so important now more than ever to flatten those walls and to lean on each other. Yes, most definitely. And so so you mentioned you're the virtual principal. We're going to go back to that cool title again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of a remote a remote school, yes? Yes. So so I I one of the things that I'm trying to kind of curate, I guess to use to to use that term are different tools and strategies, which is my thing, obviously, but specifically for this remote time and this online time, what are, you know, what are you looking at as the focus? Because there's, right, we, we know there's all these tools out there. There's all this technology out there. Um, and those are all great. But, but given a bigger picture, what is it that you as a principal are sort of looking as your, um, your framework? What's your outline, so to speak, for working remotely with students? So it's interesting that you asked this question. Um, I, I have a blog and I write and I have been on pause for the last, I would say, six weeks. It's, it's obviously been a heavy lift to open up the virtual doors for the very first time. However, over the last week, I've been really diving deep and, and really reflecting and thinking a lot about this experience and the things that I have learned And my biggest takeaway for this time, which is like no other time I have ever experienced in my life, is that I feel that this learning environment, being in a remote learning school, some of the things that, you know, we need to keep in mind are not necessarily exclusive for just this learning environment over another. I I think that they are something that is a blanket over whether you're in remote learning, you're in person, you're in a hybrid model. Um, I really started to think deeply and and I landed in a space. um, I'll share some of these with you. Mm -hmm. Please. (laughs) It's about who we teach. It's not about what we teach. There are nuggets of inspiration everywhere. We really just need to look. It's all about perspective. We really are resilient. Communication is key. We need to reach our students in order to to teach our students. We need to keep the important thing, the important thing. And of course, the connected educator in me believes in the power of relationships and of course that we're better together. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, those are good, um, not just good, but they're really good lessons for overarching for everything that we're, I think, experiencing right now. Um, I think communication is key for everything right now. Um, and, you know, I want to 
hit on one particular one that you mentioned, which is uh, we need to reach um, the child to teach the child. I really love that. I could see that like all over. <laughs> well, great. You make really good memes. So create one. And let's <laughs> put it everywhere. Um, I'm all- <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, with the work that I do, for me, it's really about being a student advocate and very student-centered, particularly for students with special needs and with autism, if we're going to drill down even more. Um, but but a lot of it is, and I mentioned this with, uh, you know, one of my other um, educators, and it's really about being a really, just being a really good teacher, <laughs> right? Some of these are just really good teaching strategies, and we can say that they're very specific to a child with autism, but a lot of times it can really help all uh, all students. And, you know, particularly reaching students, I always say that you need to really build rapport with your students so that they can trust you and you need to build that relationship. Um, otherwise, it's just, it's just a, a tough road for the long haul, you know, I, and I, I could not agree more. So much of what you're saying, you know, there are you know strategies that are out there for our, our students with special needs. I view a lot of those strategies as just simply best practice. Right. Right. That's exactly what I would call it too, best practice. And it, it almost, it, it's sort of like, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do that? Like I'm, I, sometimes I get, um, I get really confused why, you know, if we're, we're talking about a particular student, maybe an IEP strategy, and I'm like, why is it, why wouldn't you think just do that? It's like really easy and you could do it for everyone. Um, but, but I also understand that teachers have a particular role and sometimes there's, um, it's, it's not resistance. I don't want to use that word. I would say it's more of a challenge sometimes of not knowing exactly what their responsibilities are as an educator. And I think we're hitting that really hard right now with all of the things that are happening. And then how, how much leeway does uh, a teacher have? And sometimes it feels like it's very, uh, maybe the, the environment and the climate of the school, right? And how that feels. Um, what are the cultural expectations of the principal and administration? Um, and sometimes it's, maybe it's just, again, it's that clarity of communication. I'm like, what are your thoughts about that? So I, I feel like I, I just heard quite a bit. And, and my biggest takeaway where my mind was going to was the start of this particular school year, like a school year we've never seen before. And our first vision in my district that makes me so incredibly proud to be a part of um, was really the heavy focus on social-emotional learning. Mm. And not that we're minimizing the academics or the curriculum, but if you believe that in order to reach those, in order to teach those students, you really need to be able to reach them, we need to eliminate any of those blocks. We need to connect with them. We need to build those relationships. You were using the word trust, which is Mm -hmm. so critical in order to be able to connect with them. And once all of those pieces are in place, once we have an understanding where this child is, is coming from, then we can finally move on to the learning that we're looking to occur. You know, students come to school not just to learn the curriculum and to to learn the academics. They're also here to learn the the social cues and to learn how to interact and, and develop those relationships and we're there to model that. Right. And and just you know, again, as you're saying, 
something, you know, it always pops something else into my head. You know, we're also not talking about, you know, kids with special needs or, you know, we're talking about all kids. We're also talking about a, a variety of demographics. And sometimes we only look at something from one perspective of, you know, our own perspective or the community that we live in, but we forget that in other communities, it's, it can be challenging and, and school is not just like you're saying, just academics. Sometimes it's a safe haven. Sometimes it's a place to get your meals. Sometimes it's a place to get um, the attention that you may not be getting outside of school. Um, and so I think this emphasis on social emotional learning, gosh, that just makes my heart happy, actually. <laughs> It's it's so important and, and, and talk about things popping into your head, right? So for me, uh, this conversation is reminding me of Sari, the new educator. Sari, mm -hmm. the new educator that was becoming frustrated with um, a little uh, second grade student who was not bringing in her homework. And I was becoming increasingly frustrated and I'm calling home and it's not responsive. And meanwhile, the valuable lesson that I learned in there was you need to dig deeper. I later mm. discovered that she is home alone more than is appropriate. She mm -hmm. didn't have the support. There were situations with her father that um, were happening and there was so much more to the story, you know, beyond what I was just seeing, which was, why isn't she doing her homework? <laughs> right. Right. And I've, I've been there. I've been there getting caught in the, you know, this is the outline or this is the lesson and how come, you know, the kids aren't accessing it or aren't able to just complete the assignments. And, you know, as my work has evolved and also being a parent, you know, there is so much more happening um, outside of school. And, and while we'll, we might say, oh, they're in school, you know, six to seven hours a day or maybe more depending, but you know, there's still all those other hours where they go home and that's a whole nother environment and, and other things that they might be managing, some of which we might not or could never imagine. So we have to keep all of those things in mind when we're trying to reach our students so that then they can learn. Um, and sometimes in the, in the hierarchy and also depending on what the family is struggling with, sometimes for them, it's like, oh, you know, I know I, I need them to be at school because I need all to do all these other things that I'm responsible for and have to get done. And at least I know they're safe when they go to school. Or, so true. Know, we <laughs> hope. <laughs> um, and, and or for some parents, especially, you know, maybe with those with special needs, sometimes it's the time to, for us to kind of, okay, I need to catch my breath and, you know, recharge and be able to then um, do those other hours once they get back. And so, you know, I, I try to look at things as uh, from all the different perspectives and it's, it's hard. There's no one easy solution. And I think uh, my biggest thing is when we're talking about a student, especially one with special needs, we really do have a team. It's not just, it's not just the parents. It's not just the teacher. It might teachers, all sorts of providers, it's all different things. And so I like to look at it as a, as a collective kind of uh, process. I, I could not agree more. Um, I've had so many conversations over these last few months about, um, I, I refer to it as the partnership. 
I, I really mm. believe in everything that you're saying, which really aligns with this partnership between the parent, the teacher, the district, the administration. You know, we are there all as, as a team, as you're saying, to support the best interest of the child. And all of us truly need to be on the same page and working in the same direction in, in order to support that child as best as we possibly can. Wow. No, I really like that. That's like, that's like a really good, like, okay, this is the overarching piece of what we're talking about today. Um, Cause you know, we talk about teams, especially in special education where we have, there's all the formal titles of all the people that are on the team, but it's really just about like what you're saying is that collective, um, I don't know, it's a little bit of that. It takes a village, right? To help. Oh, so true. <laughs> to, to raise a child. Um, and this is what we're seeing, I think in some ways a return to that in, you know, all of these different variety of models that we're looking to educate our kids and all of the different moving parts it takes to get there. So true. Everything that you are saying, the, the, the moving parts, the takes a village, it's, it's really, um, it, it takes a lot. And that collaborative effort ties back into my belief of the power of being a connected educator. You're not alone. There are so many people out there to, to lean on, to build that network, to support, to find resources, um, to become motivated by, inspired by, to collaborate with, to help shift your perspective and stretch your thinking. Um, it, it all circles back to that powerful belief that um, I really subscribe to. That's awesome. And so speaking of resources, if I'm going to share some resources with people, because I really always like to do that whenever um, I, I, you know, talk to somebody in the description, what can I put? What, what are some ideas that you have of resources that people can connect to? So I would, without a doubt, put my Twitter handle because I am very active on Twitter and I would love to connect with any of your listeners at another level and, and learn more about supporting the community of special needs families that you work with. Um, then the Mentor Roundtable is a new webinar series that I have been a part of uh, for the last six weeks, which has been incredible. So for any educators out there that are looking for that network and to really build that network. It's a really great place. You can find the link um, right on Twitter, of course. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a webinar series that takes place on Sunday nights. And then, of course, um, I have three courses that I have taken that um, I really strongly and highly recommend. One is by George Kuros. One is by Catlin Tucker, and one is by Thomas Murray. Um, they are authors. Uh, George Kuros wrote Innovator's Mindset, and he is just absolutely inspiring. He talks about change um, being the opportunity to do something amazing. Um, Catlin Tucker has been in the classroom teaching remotely, hybrid. She has so many incredible hands-on strategies. And Thomas Murray wrote the book, Personal and Authentic, which speaks to my heart and the power of relationships. So if I had to list my go-to places that I would highly recommend, um, I would definitely say to connect with those individuals, check out their courses, and um, read their books. Thank you. And then you said you wrote a blog. Do you have a, do you have a regular website that people can check that out at? I do. Um, of course, it's on my Twitter <laughs> handle as well. But uh, my website is Sari G. McEwen, S-A-R-I-G, and then my last name, M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com. 
Excellent. Thank you so much. And this is a great conversation. I, I have a feeling that we could probably connect on some other topics as uh, as the year moves forward, definitely. I couldn't agree more. And I'm looking at the clock and it's so hard to believe that 45 minutes has gone by this quickly. <laughs> so I really... Well, that's good. I hope that's good. <laughs> it was very good. I really, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. It was certainly an honor and I love our conversations. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, um, you know, for anyone who's listening in, uh, definitely, if you have your own ideas or other ways that educators can connect or parents can connect, um, please, you know, definitely message myself. Um, we'll, I'll put all of um, Sari's information um, in the description so you can connect with her as well and connect with a lot of other educators. It kind of moves pretty quickly once you start connecting. It's kind of, uh, it's really fun. And um, yeah, so thank you again for spending time with me today. Thank you again for having me. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.